the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. UTBN Pinellas Park. First Baptist Church of College Hill in Tampa has Sunday morning worship services at 7.30 and again at 10. Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Odyssey. The following program was pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Now, this morning, we're going to discover two reasons why this crowd rejected Jesus Christ. We don't simply want to study the facts. We want to go beneath the surface and find out why did they reject Jesus? Why did they demand that he be crucified? And what you'll find is that people continue to reject Jesus Christ for exactly the same reasons. Two reasons that they rejected him continue to be two reasons that people reject him today. We'll begin to consider those reasons today on Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve Kreloff is continuing a series of messages dealing with why so many people choose to reject the Lord Jesus Christ. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Over the past week or so, Pastor Steve shared from Mark chapter 15 why the Jewish leaders rejected Jesus and also why Governor Pilate did the same thing. There were two other categories of people present at Jesus' trial, the Roman soldiers and the crowd stirred up by the Sanhedrin. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the people all seemed to be on his side. But now it looked like they were all against him. Why did they hate him? Let's begin our class and learn the reason. Here's Pastor Steve. Many years ago, the Synod of the Free Church of Scotland held a conference On Sunday morning, one of the ministers spoke on the beauty of virtue. That was his subject, the beauty of virtue. And he concluded his sermon on virtue with these words. He said, oh, my friends, if virtue incarnate could only appear on earth, men would be so ravished with her beauty that they would fall down and worship her. And that was said Sunday morning. Sunday evening, at the very same conference, another minister spoke, and his message focused on Christ and him crucified. And he concluded his sermon with these words. He said, Oh, my friends, virtue incarnate has appeared on earth. And men, instead of being ravished with his beauty and falling down and worshiping him, cried out, Away with him, crucify him. We'll not have this man to rule over us. Now, which one of these uh, these two sermons were correct? Well, obviously the second one, because that is the way the Bible presents the way the multitude responded to the Lord Jesus Christ. They called out for his crucifixion. And I'd like you to turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 15 in order to see that. Mark chapter 15. And while you're turning there, I'll just mention that virtue incarnate has appeared on earth. He went around doing good. He healed people. He ministered to them. He served them. And yet, Mark chapter 15, verses 6 through 15 will tell us how they responded. Now at the feast, that is the Passover feast, 
He used to release for them any one prisoner whom they requested. And a man named Barabbas had been imprisoned with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in the insurrection. And the multitude went up and began asking him to do as he had been accustomed to do for them. And Pilate answered them, saying, Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he was aware that the chief priests had delivered him up because of envy. But the chief priest stirred up the multitude to ask him to release Barabbas for them instead. And answering again, Pilate was saying to them, Then what shall I do to him whom you call the king of the Jews? And they shouted back, Crucify him. But Pilate was saying to them, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Crucify him. And wishing to satisfy the multitude, Pilate released Barabbas for them, and after having having Jesus scourged, he delivered him over to be crucified. These verses tell us that when Pilate, who we saw last week, we studied about Pilate and his motives for rejecting Christ, but when Pontius Pilate, the governor of Judea, gave the people the choice between Barabbas and Jesus, they asked that Barabbas be released and that Jesus would be crucified. This is an incredible, incredible picture of human depravity in the Bible. In fact, the people went so far as to say, and we're going to look at this as we close a little bit later, but this verse, they even said, His blood be upon us and upon our children. That's how incensed they were, calling upon generation after generation to experience the guilt with them. Now, why? Why did they want Jesus Christ to die? Especially in light of Pontius Pilate's declaration that I find no no guilt in this man. Remember last week we looked at Pontius Pilate and his uh, cowardly reasons for rejecting Christ, and we said that there were on five separate occasions Pontius Pilate said, this man is innocent. I find no guilt in him. He was ready to release the Lord, but they didn't want him to live. The people didn't want him to live, and the Jewish leaders didn't want him to live, and they demanded his crucifixion. Now this morning, we're going to discover two reasons why this crowd rejected Jesus Christ. We don't simply want to study the facts. We want to go beneath the surface and find out why did they reject Jesus? Why did they demand that he be crucified And what you'll find is that people continue to reject Jesus Christ for exactly the same reasons. Two reasons that they rejected him continue to be two reasons that people reject him today. And if you understand these reasons, it'll help you to know why people reject you and why they reject your gospel witness, why they will spurn you when you tell them about Jesus. And I think the point is is that it will encourage you to patiently endure such rejection and persecution. The more you understand the mentality of rejecting Christ, the easier it is to witness and stand up to that kind of rejection. Now we have been in, this is the the third week of of sort of a mini-series in Mark's Gospel of reasons for rejecting Christ. And we've seen some uh, uh, very practical in terms of application to us reasons why people reject Jesus. We said that the religious leaders, the Sanhedrin, at, that was the highest Jewish council of the day. There is no Sanhedrin today, but there was then. But the religious leaders had their own reasons, two reasons that they rejected Jesus. Number one, they were threatened by him. 
It says, in fact, in verse 10 of Mark 15, that, that uh, Pilate was aware that the chief priests had delivered him up because of envy. They were jealous of him because uh, the crowd, at that point at least, the people liked Jesus and were listening to Jesus, and they wanted to control the people, and so he was uh, a threat to their authority. Secondly, we said that according to John chapter 15 and 16, the reason they hated Jesus is because Jesus exposed them for the hypocrites that they were. That's the reason why today religious people who don't have a relationship with Christ hate Jesus Christ because Jesus in his holiness exposes them for what they are. They pretend that they love God and that they are very pious when in reality they hate God. You say, well, how do you know that they hate God? Because if they love the Father, they would love the Son. And that's what Jesus basically said in John 15. These men pretended to love God, but when God showed up, They crucified him. So how could they love God? So Christ exposes them for the the hypocrisy that is theirs. Secondly, we looked at Pontius Pilate, and he had his own reasons for rejecting Jesus. Not that he thought anything was wrong with Christ, not that he even found any guilt in him, but he was consumed with self-interest. He knew that he could not afford to have the Jewish people complain about him. He knew that there could not be a riot, that word could not get back to the emperor that uh, that the Jewish people had rioted because he was already in trouble with the Jewish people, he was already in trouble with Rome, and one more riot might mean his job and even his life. And so his concern was for self-interest. Pilate was basically a coward, basically a, a very fearful man. Even though he despised the Jewish people, he feared them. Now this morning we're going to look at two reasons why the crowd rejected Christ. We begin at verse 6. And before we look at verse 6, we need to keep the context in mind. It is early Friday morning. Remember, the Lord has been arrested late Thursday night. Jesus was arrested and seized by the Sanhedrin and temple police and Roman soldiers. And then he was put on trial by the Sanhedrin. All of that went on Very late Thursday night, now it is early Friday morning. And the Sanhedrin's verdict was that he's guilty. He is guilty of blasphemy. He claims to be God and he claims to be Messiah, therefore that is blasphemous, he must die. We saw that in chapter 14, notice verse 61. Christ kept silence and made no answer. Again, the high priest was questioning him, saying to him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed One? And Jesus said, I am. I am. And you shall see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. In other words, he was saying, when I come again, I will be your judge. You have me stand before you as my judge. Someday when I return, I will judge you. That's a frightening thought. But the high priest, it says in verse 63, in tearing his clothes, the high priest said, what further need do we have of witnesses? What he really meant was false witnesses. What further need? You've heard the blasphemy. How does it seem to you? So he asked the Sanhedrin members, and they all condemned him to be deserving of death. Now, but they had a problem. Rome did not give them the legal authority to execute anyone. So, very early in the morning, before Pilate got going in his his daily routine, they bring Jesus to Pilate. And they want Pilate to rubber stamp their verdict that he's guilty. They don't even want him to know what it's about. He's guilty. He must die. You execute him. 
Not only were they concerned about the legality of it, if they really wanted to, they didn't care a whole lot, they could have just stoned Jesus, but they really wanted Rome to be involved in this because they wanted Rome to be responsible for Christ's death. They didn't want to be in trouble with their own people, and so they want Pilate in on this. And uh, Pilate then questions Jesus. In fact, he questioned him two times, and Pilate is convinced of the Lord's innocence, and he wants to dismiss the case. He wants to throw it out of court. He says, I find no, this man is no threat to Rome. Now, they change, by the way, they change the charges against him. Initially, the Sanhedrin said it's blasphemy, but Pilate's not going to care about blasphemy. He's a pagan Roman. He doesn't care about a Jewish problem of blasphemy. And so they charge Jesus with treason. They say he's a king, and there is no other king but Caesar. So now Pilate has to investigate. He has to look into it. He could not just close his ears to a charge of treason. But after questioning Jesus, he says he's no threat to Rome, he's no threat to Caesar, there's no guilt in this man, he wants to dismiss the case, but the Jewish leaders will not let him dismiss it. He wants to throw the case out of court, they throw it back at him. But in Pilate, because of previous run-ins with the Jewish leaders, as I said before, cannot afford to have them complain to the emperor one more time about him and the way he handled the situation. So he decides to do something. It's a real, it's a real scheming man. He decides to relieve himself of his responsibility. And so he goes, aha, the real problem is that the Jewish leaders hate Jesus. The leaders are envious. The people don't have a problem with Jesus. In fact, the people, I heard them when they hailed him just five days earlier at the triumphal entry, what we call Palm Sunday, I heard them screaming for him. The people don't have a problem with him. It's just the leaders. So what I'm going to do is I will put it in the people's hands. I will pit the people against the leaders and the people will win out. That's what he does. He figures that the leaders can't turn around and blame him anymore. They can't say to Rome, Pilate didn't do the right thing. Pilate should have listened to us. He could just say, I was only doing the will of the people. That's what he wants to do. Now, now that you understand what the context is, we look at verse 6. Now, at the feast, he used to release for them any one prisoner whom they requested. Now, remember the time of the year. What time of the year is this? It's Passover. It's Passover. It's the Feast of Passover. And what does Passover speak, speak of? Passover is a celebration of Israel being set free from bondage when they were in Egypt. And so, uh, every year, Rome would release a prisoner at this time. It's a, it's a measure of goodwill. It's saying, look, we, uh, we don't want trouble with you. We want you to be peaceful, and so uh, we're going to do something that's really diplomatic because at this time of the year, you, release, you think about being released from bondage. We'll release one prisoner, one prisoner that we had. Uh, we will release him to you. The way it worked, though, was that the people chose which prisoner they wanted. It doesn't appear from the text that uh, Rome said, here's the man, I release him to you. It was that the people said, we request this man, and Rome gave him whoever they wanted. That appears to be the way it worked. We notice verse 7. And the man named Barabbas had been imprisoned with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in the insurrection. So there were a number of prisoners, apparently, one in particular by the name of Barabbas. Barabbas, now we don't know a whole lot about him. 
And we touched upon this last week, but we're going deeper into it this week. Uh, his name, interestingly enough, means son of the father. Did you know that? Bar is Aramaic for son. Uh, ben would be uh, Hebrew for son, but Bar. I remember Peter was Simon Bar Jonah, son of Jonah. Bar Abbas Abba. Abba is father or papa. He's son of the father. Interesting, because Jesus is the divine son of the father, and I would make a whole lot about that. It's just interesting. So Barabbas is, is one of the men that, that Rome is holding. Now, we don't know a great deal about him. We know what his name means. Uh, but we're given a little picture of this man. It, it's important what we do know, because what we do know about him indicates why they chose Barabbas over Jesus. Watch this. It says in verse 7 that he was an insurrectionist, that is, he was in rebellion against Rome, and it was, he was one who had committed murder in the insurrection. Apparently there was some uprising that Mark knew about, some specific uprising, and Barabbas was a part of this, and he even murdered somebody, or maybe a few people. This man was a political activist. Probably he was a zealot. Uh, there was a group of, of people at that time called the Zealots. And the Zealots, their goal in life was to throw off the shackles of Rome. They wanted Israel to be free from Rome, and they would do anything to get Rome away from them and gain their independence. And Barabbas apparently was a part of, of the Zealots, zealous for Israel's freedom. Actually, history tells us that their, their activities eventually led to Rome crushing Jerusalem. In 70 AD, when, when Titus and the Roman Legion came in and destroyed Jerusalem and destroyed the temple, there's been no temple since that point. Uh, history tells us, Josephus tells us, it was because of the uprising of the zealots. Not only that, those of you who are familiar with Jewish history know of Masada. Masada was that fortress at the Dead Sea that Herod had built but didn't live in, and uh, 960 zealots and their families uh, and their wives and children fled to Masada and were there for, I believe it was about three years that they, uh, they held out in that place. That's, those are the zealots. And most likely Barabbas was a zealot. In either case, we know he was a fanatic patriot who continually agitated Rome, was involved in murder. John's gospel tells us that he was a robber. He was a rebel against Rome, and finally Rome caught him, and he's ready to be executed. In fact, the cross that Christ was crucified on was probably originally prepared for Barabbas. So he's awaiting his execution. Now, in order to see the, the next turn of events, you have to turn to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27, because Matthew gives us more detail than Mark. Mark sort of sums up everything, but Matthew gives us more detail. Matthew chapter 27, verse 17. When therefore they were gathered together, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew that because of envy they had delivered him up. Pilate put the decision to the people, assuming assuming that they would choose Jesus because Jesus was a popular figure amongst them. And uh, the whole trial, he knew, was due to the jealousy of the Jewish leaders. Now, uh, he, as I said before, he is pitting the people against the leaders, and he is gambling and hoping that the people will win. 
Now, just when Pilate asked the people to decide, Matthew tells us that there was an interruption. No other gospel writer tells us this, and that's why I want you to see Matthew's version. Verse 19, he's asked the people, and then an interruption. And while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent to him, saying, Have nothing to do with that righteous man, for last night I suffered greatly in a dream because of him. What a strange, strange verse. What it means is this. While all of this was going on, and he's putting the vote to the people... A messenger comes sent by his wife. Wives usually do not interrupt trials, just as today. It'd be highly unorthodox in the middle of a trial for someone to walk in and say, you have a message, judge, from your wife. It had to be extremely critical and important. And so she sends a messenger with this message, don't have anything to do with Jesus. He's a righteous man, and don't let anyone coerce you into crucifying him. That's really the message. And she says that she had a dream about Jesus the previous night. And in that dream, and we don't know the details, but in that dream she suffered greatly because of her awareness of Christ's righteous character. Maybe the dream was that Pilate went ahead and crucified and, and uh, he was the son of the gods. I'm putting it in, in pagan terminology and therefore they, the gods were annoyed at them. Maybe something like that. It's not a believer's dream. This is, not, this is not a godly woman. This is not a Christian. But uh, she's frightened for her husband. And she doesn't want Pilate to be a part of condemning an innocent man. She at least knows he's innocent. She's had a dream about him. And uh, she said, don't do anything that would harm that man. Now, while Pilate's attention was focused on his wife's message, the Jewish leaders are taking advantage of the crowd. They are stirring up trouble. Notice verse 20. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the multitudes to ask for Barabbas and to put Jesus to death. But the governor answered and said to them, which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. So the Sanhedrin dispersing amongst the crowd and apparently a good-sized crowd had gathered at this, at this point. When, when the initial trial started, it was probably five, uh, maybe six in the morning. Now it's gone a little bit later, and the people have gathered. And they persuaded the people. Mark says they stirred up the people. They, stir, they aroused them to ask for the release of Barabbas and the death of Jesus. Now, from this point on, the scene becomes quite ugly. It becomes a mob mentality. It, they become a raging mob shouting for the crucifixion of Christ. So we turn back to Mark's gospel, and we see that. And when you're going through the gospel accounts, you have to put them together. Verse 12, And answering again, Pilate was saying to them, Then what shall I do to, to him whom you call the king of the Jews? And they shouted back, Crucify him. But Pilate was saying to them, Why, what evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Crucify him. And wishing to satisfy the multitude, and you see there's the cowardice of, of Pilate, satisfying the multitude because he couldn't afford another complaint. Pilate released Barabbas for them, and after having Jesus scourged, he delivered him over to be crucified. Now, not only is this a horrible scene, but is it, it is a, especially puzzling and even frightening when you remember that just five days earlier, the crowd had hailed Jesus as he came into Jerusalem from Galilee. We call it the triumphal entry. Only five days earlier, you know what the scene was? Mark chapter 11. Let's just turn there. Mark 11, 
verse 7. This is just five days. Five days prior to this, this is what they're saying. And they, and they brought the colt to Jesus and put their garments on him and he sat upon it. And many spread their garments on the road and others spread leafy branches, really palm branches, which they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed after were crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And he entered Jerusalem, came into the temple, and after looking around, he departed for Bethany with the twelve since it was already late. John's gospel says not only did people follow him, but they came out from Jerusalem. Remember, there were pilgrims on their way to Jerusalem. Millions of Jewish people from all around the area all around Israel, would come to Jerusalem for the feast. So not only were, were people following him, the Galileans from the north, coming into Jerusalem, but John tells us that many people from Jerusalem were going out to greet him. And they took palm branches and they laid it before him, and they basically were welcoming him as Messiah. The term uh, Hosanna means save now. They welcomed him as their conquering hero. How could the people who had recently been singing the praises of Jesus now be clamoring for his death. We'll hear that part of the story on the next Verse by Verse. Thanks for listening. Verse by Verse is a daily Bible class taught by Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. These classes are produced by Verse by Verse Ministries. We are a faith ministry supported by listeners who are first faithful to their own churches. Our web address is versebyverseradio.org. Stop in to listen to today's class for a review or any of the hundreds of other classes in our archives. Our lesson today was the start of a three-part message. You can hear it all at once by ordering a cassette or CD. Just call us at 727-239. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.